This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. I'm Steve Ducey, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. I'm Evan Brown. Russia is not only demonstrating it can wage a conventional war, but also a cyber war. What does that mean for Ukraine or for NATO? It's not just a conventional attack that the alliance could respond with. They could also respond in kind with cyber means, sort of a one-for-one type deal. But also conventional means are on the table, depending on the, the level of destruction. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Russia is firing guns and flinging missiles at Ukraine. Ukraine is returning fire. Both use drones and rifles and knives and hands. But there is also another front of Russia's war against the Ukrainians, and it involves technology. Computers can strike infrastructure, communications, and other computers. And it may not create as big of a visible bang as missiles and bombs, but it is happening. Cyber strategy and cyber operations are always going to be subordinate and subservient to whatever your larger conventional strategy is. Dr. Jason Blessing is a policy fellow with the American Enterprise Institute and an expert on cyber conflict. The types of shelling uh, that we're seeing in missiles on the ground, uh, you know, that's the most recent incarnation of how warfare has developed over millennia. Uh, You know, cyber operations doesn't displace that, but it can, you know, supplement. Uh, And what we've seen on the ground uh, in Ukraine right now is... uh, Cyber operations haven't been a game changer, but Russia has been trying to use them at the margins to gain the upper hand. Uh, To date, it's not been overly successful. uh, But what a lot of the activity that we have seen is uh, the development of uh, particular strains of malware, uh, what we would call wiperware, uh, where it attempts to, uh, you know, the bad actors from Russia or, you know, as you say, uh, some of their criminal affiliates uh, that have been known to you know, work with the government or uh, at the behest of the Kremlin, uh, infiltrate computer networks that uh, attempt to wipe data uh, or permissions uh, off of a computer network or a system uh, in order to degrade the ability to communicate. Uh, And so a lot of what we've seen is the Russians uh, targeting Ukrainian command and control uh, in the military and in the government, Uh, but the Ukrainians have actually been very good at catching that and ameliorating these compromises. What does the world need to be looking out for in terms of defending itself against this kind of warfare? Because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it's it's not the it's not the phase one of warfare, if you will. But it's uh, you know, Russia is only going to get better at it. Other bad actors will get better at it. China will get better at it. Iran will get better at it. Um, So what does the for a lack of better term, the good guys do about this and, and asserting that we are the good guys as are our allies? You know, what do we 
What do we do about this? Well, I think to answer that question, you know, you have to parse out uh, what what's the context of the good guys, right? You know, are we combatants directly in a war as Ukraine is, or are we is it are we in peacetime, or are we providing aid to an ally or a partner that is a uh, a direct combatant? And I think depending on the strategic situation, what you need to look out for shifts depending on your context and your scenario, right? If I'm Ukraine, I'm wholeheartedly worried about, first and foremost, securing military command and control and my ability to communicate with generals and troops out on the field, right? If you're in the middle of a war, uh, you have to be able to preserve your warfighting functions and your your immediately necessary government functions to be able to coordinate with ministers, advisors, et cetera. You know, if you're in peacetime, it's a little bit of a different game, right? The, the types of threats that we need to look out for are more you know, bad actors poking and looking around in your networks and trying to infiltrate critical infrastructure to pre-position assets for something that may or may not happen down the line. Uh, you know, in peacetime, it's more about uh, death by a thousand cyber cuts. If you're the U.S., you're worried about, you know, if you're not a direct combatant, which we're not in the Ukrainian war, uh, you're worried about in the long term the undermining the strength of your economic and political base uh, through all of these small-scale intrusions and compromises that really appear like criminal activity, but can also can be masked uh, by state actors uh, for more impactful means down the line. Let's talk a bit more about the uh, the peacetime role that, or the, the peacetime activities that you were just mentioning, and, and something else that may be larger and that maybe you can speak to. NATO famously has uh, a condition in which. Uh, uh, if one person or if one entity, one member nation is attacked, that there is mutual defense. The the, the whole collective force of NATO uh, responds to that attack. Of course, we're talking about conventional attacks. What happens if uh, a nation, a bad actor, Russia or Iran or China, let's say, were to attack in a cyber fashion a NATO member? Uh, d- does that trigger or should it trigger some kind of response on behalf of nato obviously you know a, 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 some kind of phishing attack from from uh you know a, a china's uh, uh clandestine services against the united states shouldn't necessarily trigger a, you know a, a nuclear counterattack. but um but but is that part of something that nato takes into account or that they deal with or do they need to evolve on on their side of things as well Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've written pretty extensively on this, and it, Article 5 is on the table uh, for a cyber attack. So if if a cyber attack raises to, you know, yes, it's an undefined threshold, but if it raises past the threshold of what could be considered an armed attack uh, in or through cyberspace, yes, Article 5 is 100% on the table, and an ally can trigger collective defense clause. Uh, and, you know, it's not just a conventional attack that the alliance could respond with. They could also respond in kind with uh, cyber means uh, back, you know, it's sort of a one for one type deal. But also conventional means are on the table, depending on the the level of destruction. Uh, So, yes, that's you know, that's pretty uh, directly in NATO doctrine at this point and in a lot of their planning documents. I would say the the one element where they really need to uh, take into account and sort of expand their strategic approach uh, is in terms of cyber resilience, uh, because not everything that, you know, the, the vast majority of cyber attacks or cyber operations that you'll see aren't going to reach that threshold, 
right? There's a very low likelihood that, you know, some sort of digital operation takes a life, which is, you know, sort of an implicit threshold. Uh, you know, so mo the majority of what you're going to see in this space is just not going to reach that threshold. So the question is, how can you gear the alliance uh, and all of our allies in the alliance towards these lower level everyday intrusions that have the ability to undermine military supremacy and military capacity, although not directly. Uh, you know, we've seen it with the, the, the historic Madrid summit uh, last late last month and the release of the new strategic concept, we've seen some, some steps in the right direction in terms of how the alliance is, uh, you know, approaching resilience. But I do think that there's a, a lot more room for more formalized efforts uh, particularly with regard to cyber threats. You've been listening to Dr. Jason Blessing. He is a research fellow with the American Enterprise Institute and an expert on cyber warfare and cyber defense. On the Fox News Rundown, War on Ukraine. We'll have more with Dr. Blessing straight ahead. Tell me a bit more about the cyber threats that Russia is making or carrying out against Ukraine at this time. I mean, th this has been something that they, it's obviously part of their, uh, their strategy. Right. So the, uh, you know, you could group this into uh, a couple of different categories. Uh, one, which is not directly in or through cyberspace, but has an impact on the availability of communications and availability and confidentiality of data uh, is uh, physical attacks on the physical infrastructure of uh, cyberspace. So for instance, early on in the conflict in uh, the Sumi region, uh, one of the most impactful uh, incidents to connectivity to the Internet, for example, was shelling and bombing of fiber optic cables on the ground that essentially you know, took uh, a wide swath of a couple towns and cities offline. That's more impactful than you're going to have really in this type of war than any digital, you know, any, any weapon you could develop and execute by hitting enter on your keyboard. On the other hand, you know, they have been pretty effective at one, uh, denial of service uh, in, in just overloading servers with traffic requests. That's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty cheap and pretty temporary way to operate to just, you know, try to blind your enemy. But there are also defensive measures that you can take to ameliorate that pretty quickly. That's more of a distraction and sort of a thorn in your side. Uh, what's been a little bit more impressive, although, you know, not as successful as perhaps the Russian military would have hoped, is again, these wiperwares, which have been developed to delete data off of computers or systems uh, to try and, you know, prevent access to networks, prevent uh, you from logging in, prevent you from transmitting any communications appropriately. Uh, you know, the Ukrainians have gotten around this by distributing their data uh, across different cloud platforms and across uh, different data storage repositories in, in other countries. Uh, particularly with help from Microsoft and other actors in the private sector. Uh, but what has been particularly surprising about the attacks uh, that Russia has been throwing out in this case has been the quick development time. They've used a lot of pre-existing malware uh, and has they have tweaked, uh, you know, around the edges here and there so that it appears slightly differently. But it's all all things that have been previously discovered. Uh, but the development time has been pretty impressive. Dr. Jason Blessing, you're the Gene Kirkpatrick Visiting Research Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Thank you so much for being with us on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Thanks for having me, Evan. Have a great day. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.